Well, hello there. I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. I'm going to go again. Welcome everyone to the Aging Fearlessly program. There are so many myths when it comes to aging. Leah Zalams has been a guest on the program in 2019 and today she's joining me again to help unpack some of these myths around healthy aging. Welcome, Leah. Hello, Karen, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Really looking forward to this conversation. Well, I really love having a chat to you, and I know through this year we've been trying to lock in a date, but I've just been a little bit chaotic this year and very hard to pin down, and it's not for not wanting to. Just little things keep popping up and taking me in another direction, as life can. So, Leah, when we're living in a pandemic, Karen, <laughs> so I, I don't think that there's anything that can be um, surprising anymore. It's kind of like chaos becomes the new norm, doesn't it? Yeah, and you start to learn to live with, how do I say this, just live with Sometimes it's disappointment, but you learn to go, well, I can't control that. So just get on with whatever. It's like, it's out of my control. If I could control it, I would take control, but I can't. So there you go. That's what the year's been like. And I think that's really the underlying theme of what we're going to talk about today, Karen, because what can we control and what what we cannot control, it seems to have been made clear to us, hasn't it? Like with the lockdown mandate that is beyond our control, we can agree or disagree uh, because at the moment uh, Sydney is, is going into its second four weeks of lockdown. Now, that is beyond our control. And, and that forces us to look more closely at, well, what can we control? Because as human beings, as you know, when we are not feeling like we can control things in our life, we get very uncomfortable and it leads to very uh, disturbing psycho-emotional states. So yeah. that element of control as a human is really, really vital to our well-being. So before we launch into the interview itself, can you share a little bit about your background? Because you've had a very, very big career. Mm, thank you, Karen. I was one of those kids who really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I was bright at everything. So all the counselling, career counselling was, whatever you put your mind to, you'll be good at. And I just didn't know what I wanted to put my mind to. You know, I loved sport, I loved studying, I was a great student. But it was when my father died at 19, uh, I was 19 and he was 54, sudden death, that really spurred me on into science and medical science and the, the quest to find a cure for heart attack. 
So I did, and, and I've always been very curious at why things work, how things work. So I did my biochemistry degree, went into research, realised very quickly that test tubes in the molecular level was not my strength. It was actually people and human behaviour and high performance on a more macro level. That was more of my interest. So that took me into medical science because I was also very good. I, I really enjoyed the business aspect of healthcare, of preventative care, of how can we enhance the human condition? What, you know, what are the technologies? What are the ways of doing things at, that are going to enable us to perform at high levels and take care of ourselves as best we can? Because that overhang of my father losing control, as it were, of his health and, and not being in control of, you know, the fact that he's one in three where that heart attack was fatal. I realised that there are lots of things in life we can't control. But the element of self-care has been very, very strong throughout my, um, my life. And that really is what drove me in my corporate career in healthcare technology and sales, always at that leading edge, always at looking at ways that, that business and technology can enhance human experience. Yeah, it's interesting you say about self-care and I'm, I'm just, I am relating this to myself right now. When I get really busy and in my creative mode and I set myself these goals and tasks, it's very easy to forget the self-care. If I set myself a deadline that by next week I want to have four podcasts recorded and edited, guess what I give up on? It becomes very secondary, doesn't it? And yep. This is what I find in high performers who have these goals, who get inspired by setting big goals and a difficult path forward, right? That's a trait that is innate to you, Karen, mm -hmm. and that's why you're a leader and why you are making the choices you're making. And this is also where we have a huge capacity as humans, don't we, that we yeah. can keep going until something snaps. And it's often until something snaps that we keep pushing ourselves. And this is why we see so much burnout. And we see burnout in men and women, but the focus primarily for me in who I work with these days in as far as executive coaching and health coaching go is definitely to bring back that focus to how do we maintain the focus, the keep shining the torch on our personal needs at the same time as fulfilling our goals and the mm. actions that are required to be taken. And I like the whole, uh, the, the, the question, can you really have it all? Can you have your cake and eat it too? Because I've been playing with different themes around that. And I am convinced there is a way. There is a way we can have we can strive towards those big goals and find ways to take care of ourselves as well. And that's what I uh, strive to, um, to embody myself. And that is usually where I'm working with my clients as well. To what do we need to tweak to fit in even the 15-minute self-care 
uh, ritual in the morning. If you can't do an hour, could you do 15 minutes? Do you have a lunch break? You know, are you using alarm? What are the strategies that have worked for you? And what are the strategies that have caused you to end up in a in a heap on the floor or kicking the wall or maybe quitting on your goals because your health has plummeted to the point where your brain just is not functioning in the way it needs to to get those goals done. Because ultimately, we ha- it's like we have to come to a point in pain before we stop, take stock and look at could there be another way? All of those things make so much sense. When do you take a lunch break even? Yeah, well, sometimes it's might you might be shoving something down your throat as you're actually trying to get ready for that next person that's coming to a podcast or you're, you, we do crazy things just to grab those minutes of time. And probably then we don't do it as well. So I guess there's some choices there. So your cause. Let's talk about your cause. Busting those myths of normal ageing. Let's talk about those. What are these myths about healthy ageing? Well, the challenge that I see and the thing that really gets me fired up, Karen, if we, you know, look at what problem am I focusing on that I want to solve? What is that problem that fires me up? And the big problem is unexpressed potential it's people not fulfilling their lifelong dreams it's them not going for that mountaintop it's them not daring to write their own script in terms of how they want their life to be and who they want to be and what they want to stand for and a lot of that gets tied up between old beliefs and losing inspiration, losing motivation, the narrative around I'm too old to change or Mm. it hasn't worked before so I'm not going to try again. I don't have energy. You know, this is how it shows up in life and it often shows up in women as we get to 40 between 40 and 50 is often that wake-up call time of something's, you know, is this as good as it gets? Or maybe they have been, like, really pummeling their career and realise that their personal health and their family relationships are not as fulfilling as they, but maybe their family is falling apart. You know, there are so many issues that come up, but what happens often is that, as you said, it's the, the spotlight on themselves that then falls prey to those old beliefs of, well, this is as good as it gets, like the settling mm. or accepting that middle-aged spread is simply part of going through menopause. When we talk about myths, underlying those myths is what are those old beliefs that we are hanging on to? And there's many reasons we hang on to, to those. And I don't know, maybe do we take one of them and unpack them, do you think? Take yeah, one myth. Let's and take one myth it? because we can always come back another time and do another myth. Yeah. Well, is there one that I've sort of said that's resonated with you, you think, you know, you'd like to dig into? Well, you know, the one about the middle age spread, because 
<laughs> I think that we all like to, you know, I'm not going to say we all because not everybody, I can't put everybody into the same bucket. But a lot of people just make the excuse that it's menopause that's putting the weight on me or middle age, etc. I know once I did a Weight Watchers course many years ago and they said, you think about the exercise that you did as a child and you burnt up the food that you eat. How can you compare the exercise you're doing as a 40 plus person? You're not doing that amount of exercise yet. You're probably eating the same thing. So it really can come down to one simple fact of what you're putting in your mouth and or two specs, what you're putting in your mouth and that you're not burning it. And that you couple that with those being the external influences, Karen. The reality is we are having an incredible internal change as our hormones change as well. So our bodies, they start losing efficiency at being able to metabolize and burn what we do put in our mouth. So it's very, very complicated. And I think it does very much come back to what can we control and what can we not control and again what we believe so when I came into my early 40s mid 40s I started to have some uh, wonky blood results like my cholesterol my blood pressure you know and I was also 12 kilos heavier than I am right now wow and I was really uncomfortable about that And that caused me to go on a search, right, because I wasn't living true to my self-image of being fit and healthy and being the best person I could be as I go into this next stage of life. So I did a lot of research around approaches to health and food in particular as we approach menopause. And I was very fortunate that I followed the ideologies and philosophies of women who had managed to come through menopause largely unscathed, largely because of self-care rituals, including food, including meditation, including exercise. So it wasn't just the food factor, but they were absolutely changing the course of the dreaded change, mm. right, through their self-care rituals and their food choices in particular. Oh. So, yes, so if we just focus on one element, right, which is your food choices, because without a doubt, right, Garbage in, garbage out. But there's many ways you can fill, let's say, 2,000 calories a day. You can be vegan and still have a really unhealthy food mix, right? You know, and again, there's many different philosophies and ideologies around that. But this is where, again, we are the best vessel for that experiment. So my hypothesis was that if I follow this particular food ideology, will I reduce the impacts of menopause? Will I reduce the middle-aged spread? Will I reduce the hot flushes and all of that? But it was primarily the middle-aged spread that I was wanting to avoid. And so I've been a big 
follower of reducing inflammation. So reducing the oxidation that's happening internally through Mm. what I eat. Mm. And that's been a philosophy that I've practiced now over 15 years. And it has absolutely served me to not only release those 12 kilos, but also to keep it off all through this time. Yeah. So it definitely can happen. And it's not just me, right? This is where, what's the data that supports this? I was at a barbecue the other day, well, a few months ago now, and there were a couple of bigger women there and they were laughing, saying, yeah, well, now it's, I just accept it's another kilo a year for every birthday. It's another kilo a year, another kilo a year. And therein lies the difference of how we think. Yes. Another kilo a year would terrify me, Karen. It would terrify me to think that I had no other option but to accept that one more kilo was going to come on. Now, am I vain? Is this a vanity metric? Well, there is an element of yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because for me, it's important to look as best I can. And if that means I'm vain, I'm vain. I'm not um, going to apologize Leah- for that. I say to people sometimes, I'm just vain. I'm sorry, I am vain. I I like to. I (laughs) I didn't know that. I did actually go and dry my hair today and put lipstick on for this interview because I knew I'd be looking at you. But lately I've become really lazy. But I'm not around my normal working environment. I'm for those that are listening, I'm living in a motorhome. I've t- turned into trailer trash. No, not quite. But um, I'm living in a motorhome through circumstances of a pandemic and lockdown, and we were away at the time that that happened. And so we just haven't come back to being locked down in Sydney. So we're working remotely in everything we do in a six-metre motorhome. So I actually got up and made an effort this morning. Colin, my partner, and I are at the moment watching and trying to have a healthier diet because he says we've been living in the top paddock for way too long and um, for those that want to think about the top paddock the grass has been really green the lemon meringue tarts that you sneak into your diet every other day or the you know so we've stopped all of that over the last two weeks and I'm already seeing the results. Yeah, as I said, Karen, it is just as significant what we do not consume as what we do consume. And there's no way around that. You cannot have your lemon tart every single day and not have that show up somewhere. Like for me, it was, it was vanilla slices. I love a good Aussie vanilla slice like you get in those old-fashioned bakeries in the country. Like there is nothing like a vanilla slice for me. Now, I do not have them. (laughs) You know, know, because, again, depending on what goals I'm working towards, and I guess that's the other beauty of working with other people and coaching them and working them through their ideal health plan is that, principle I want to lead by example so there's no way I'm going to sneak in a vanilla slice when I'm asking people suggesting that they write down everything they eat for that first 30 days so they get the data of what is actually going on right and with your science background again it's like what's the evidence 
for what we're doing? What's the support? And so that helps us make better choices on a logic level. There's going to be times when we crave things and you want something sweet or you want something salty or sometimes I just want that fish and chips. I just want to sit on the beach and have some fish and chips, right? Deep fried fish. (laughs) I'm laughing because, you know, we've been packing up my mother's house after selling it. She lives on a beautiful river and we went for a walk along the river one sunset like three weeks ago. And there's a a, a shop up there that sells fish and chips and it was five o'clock and the sun was about to set. And I said to Colin, I'm going over to get some chips. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, yes, I am. (laughs) I went across the road. He didn't. And we, I bought, you know, a small fish and chips and we sat down on the river bank and watched the sunset with the fish and chips or with the chips. And oh my God, Leah, how good did they taste? They yeah. were amazing. But like you said, you can't do that all the time. And hence, it's not only the lemon meringue tarts <laughs> to give up. It was that little sneaking to the shop across the road for the chips. See, and the thing is that it's you're not giving it up forever and you're not never going to have more chips or a lemon meringue tart. But it comes back to... What's the ultimate result that you're striving for? In what time frame? Why does that matter to you? And what is the cost to not get there, to not achieve that? And so sometimes having health challenges, like I do have the propensity for higher cholesterol, for example, and plaquing in my arteries and things. So I have a very real motivation to take extra care of my health in terms of what I consume. Now, not everybody does. I mean, if everybody got motivated with a bad health result, then we wouldn't have the compliance problems that we have of patients sticking to their medications, right? What's the biggest challenge for for doctors is is how they convince their patients to to actually take the medications on a daily basis. So. You know, there's a lot of human nature elements which come into it. And that's the beauty of working with a coach and being supported. And also the other element then of community support where other like-minded people, because you go up and down, don't you? Some days it can be really easy to say no to the chips. And on other days, like if that day that you really wanted those (laughs) chips and your partner had said, nope, Sorry, today the diary says, you know, it's salad and, and beans tonight. It's like you would have been probably quite upset, I would have thought, quite agitated. There's a few things that he tells me I can't have every now and again, and it does get on your goat, but the next day you go, you know, I'm really glad I didn't do that. Because mm-hmm. when you feel those extra kilos, for me they sort of sit around the middle of my my tummy. And it doesn't feel good when your clothes are tight. And I know I don't like it. And I know that I can be so much better and look so much better. And when I do feel that way, when I'm getting the exercise, when I'm eating the right foods, I feel better and I feel more energized. And I want to go back to something you said before, a bad health result isn't always enough to kick someone into action. But sometimes the shock of a real, like say a heart attack or an episode of some sort 
may be the one thing that actually does kick them kick them into action. However, it's good if you can actually decide to take action before those events. And this is where most people, it's like prevention doesn't sell, cures do, mm. right? So it's not until an event happens, whether that's life-threatening event, that people do take stock of what's happening. But what we also see, Karen, too, is then it's like if I take my cholesterol pill, I can still have that fish and chips every night Well, or still go to McDonald's, right? So people are, it's taking responsibility for what we can control. And mm. without a doubt, for some of us, it is easier to change the way we eat and maintain those changes. Like that's what drove me to do my coaching psychology masters, Karen, was I started health coaching and found that I was able to follow a program and simply do what the instructions said. And within a couple of months, the weight was gone. Then when I was coaching other people through it, they really didn't seem to be able to stick to it the way I could. And I thought, well, what am I doing wrong? I want to find out what's that magic source to keep people committed to what they say they want. And mm. do you know what disappoints me the most? That even after all that money and all that study and all that incredible knowledge I have about human behaviour, about the science of goal setting and the science of motivation, is that if the horse doesn't want to drink, you can't make it drink. Uh, yeah, it's, I know, it's, you know what I mean? It's, and so, but what we do find is different ways and different places to prod, yeah. <laughs> don't we? As coaches, as inspirers, you know, we're looking for where am I going to prod that's going to open up a possibility thinking or a, yep. a different way of looking at things. And I, that's the art of successful change management in any sphere is yes. finding the way to do it that your client relates to, that they get. When they get something and they start and they can see themselves in the picture, it's like they can see themselves doing it or see themselves achieving. You know, we're in the middle of the Olympics at the moment. My goodness, have our girls just done it. Yeah, they have. Yeah. I mean, all of those sports people have done a phenomenal yeah. job. Yeah. And, you know, and I just marvel at their composure and being able to manage all the myriad of emotions and thoughts and yeah. everything that is going on for them. And each human being has this same makeup, don't we? Absolutely, we do. They've learned to harness theirs and the goal, the carrot at the end for them is looking for a medal to win that that self-satisfaction and for teams working as a team that whole teamwork and they they've worked so long and hard for this and we talk about visualizing what is it you want at the end of this you know it's easy that hand to mouth put the chips in now that won't matter but it's down the track what you know they're the little things. well it's, it's the immediate gratification versus delayed gratification so that's something that we were taught early and these days it seems to be a different mentality around that. I think when we get older, 
the biggest demon, as it were, is our own thinking, the thinking of it's too late for me. Karen, Mm. I think if there was one myth, and I think that's why I love the theme of the work that you do, um, you know, around inspiring people to, um, you know, to, to, to do their best work and live their best life, uh, especially, you know, after 50, especially in this next season. And that's at the core of, of the difference I want to make as well. Mm. Um, and when I see the things, the myths, the real myths, I mean, we talked about lots of different myths of, you know, well, should we or shouldn't we take supplements or should you or shouldn't you eat meat? Like there's so many different myths and belief systems that support all kinds of uh, recommendations. And I think that's one of the challenges is we don't know what to believe and we don't know which school of thought to believe. But ultimately, our old beliefs around our own abilities, if we can't shift those and allow some, I heard a beautiful term the other day, hopium. Hopium. Hopium, right? Nice. We need hopium. A bit like opium, but with hopium. (laughs) Yes. And and I guess a a more natural spiritual means of... (laughs) opening possibility thinking but you know it's like whatever works right yeah but that's what we're up against is just disrupting people's thinking even for a moment to consider oh could it really be different for me and my message today is absolutely it can be different for you from today from today going forward if you are open-minded to consider that giving yourself a second chance can be and should be top of your decision tree. Let's relate to Benjamin Franklin. He failed so many times in his experiments, but eventually keeping on trying, he found the right path and achieved what he'd set out to achieve. And the same, you know, it's finding the path that works Mm. for you. And I did a piece the other day for Albany Radio. I, I speak with them once a, once a week about staying on your path because too often we hear what someone else is doing and you go, you question, am I on the right path here? Should I be doing, and especially in what I'm doing and what you're doing, you're, you're coaching, I'm doing podcasts, I, I'm doing Story Room Live, you know, things like that, you just think, is this the right path? Am I on the right path? Should I diversify? And so I sat down and thought about it, that stick to your own path. There's a lot of white noise out there. There's a lot of people telling you you should, you shouldn't. But if it feels right, stick to it. And I think the same, if they find a coach like yourself that can coach them through and they get onto a path, don't deviate from that. Wait and see what the results are. Because sometimes it takes a little while to get the results. And there will be a lot of stop, start and questioning like that. And, you know, and times when it looks like nothing's happening, right, or times when, say, someone's weight plateaus or they're having a tough time in other areas, this idea of being a journey, 
And as long as we keep coming back and we keep starting again, it's a bit like the people who who have trouble giving up smoking. The Mm. most important thing they can do is keep going one more time, stopping again, stopping again, stopping again, and eventually you will stop. And it's the same thing with our weight management plan and our our eating philosophy. Mm. Like for me, it's been effortless, literally totally effortless to maintain that weight loss. Now, when do you, how often do you hear that, Karen? Do you know what I mean? Because the seesawing effect of most weight loss um, plans is that they might lose the weight pretty quickly, but then within a few months, the weight's back on. But I'll always ask the person, I said, so what did you do differently in these next few months? And most often than not, they stop doing what it was they were doing that caused the weight to release. Right? So, But they're not admitting that. They're just saying, oh, no, it stopped working for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the it? But there's something, and I, I laugh at this, diet, and, and a lot of people just say I'm going on a diet, but I like... It's more about having a structure, the foods you're eating, how you're eating, etc. a lifestyle structure more than a diet. See, because mm. do you know the word diet is just die with a T on the end? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a diet. Oh, kill me now. You know, it's like. It's and it, a- it, it automatically sounds restrictive doesn't it? It's like, and as soon as, and again, the human nature is such that as soon as we are restricted, it's like we saw the protests last week, right? It's like there's an element of rebellion. And this is where I love that other uh, way of thinking is just for today, right? Just for today. Like I do intermittent fasting. So one day a week, I have my nutritional cleansing system that I use and I don't have any solid meals right so now I don't like that day I don't like how I'm feeling on that day Karen but what gets me through is it's just for today yeah it's and I know that feeling of excitement the next morning for my breakfast it's like a kid in a candy shop so I've put my focus there and I know because I've got so much evidence. I've got a bank of experience of getting yeah. through this day, yeah. no matter how crap I might feel. But that's because my goal for the good feeling I know is coming, I'm putting a higher sense of importance on that, right? Yeah. It's like delayed gratification. I've taught myself delayed gratification as opposed to having to, feel totally okay in the moment i'm getting very used to being outside my comfort zone and when i do my fasting day i'm out of my comfort zone i don't like it there's nothing comfortable about a fasting day no i find the fasting days really hard and i don't do the fasting days because i get the migraine eyes once my blood sugar gets low the migraine eyes set in and that's the end of me so for me, it's not the intermittent fasting, but there's, there's other methods. I'm very much a believer in not one size fits all. You have to tweak it for yourself because we're all individuals. We are indeed. And I think that's also where if you do want to have an intermittent fasting practice, there are ways that food technology can support 
the sugar management aspect, right, so that those dips are not as severe. And again, this is also where uh, there are many ways to cleanse our bodies and take Mm. care of our bodies. And it's a case of working with the, the, the ultimate goal that somebody wants to achieve and their tolerance levels. And it might be that we start off with half-day cleansing regimes to give our metabolism that break. Because ultimately, like for me, again, my driver for doing the fasting, Karen, is because that really resets my metabolism and helps manage the cholesterol side of things. So I see a difference in my blood results when I do the regular fasting and when I don't. So for me, that's important. That's important enough for me to put up with the pain. <laughs> this is why have working with a professional to be guided through things is it requires trust and it also requires mutual commitment to each other, doesn't it? Yeah, so I agree entirely. And I want to touch, I know we're sort of getting to the end of a bit of a time frame here, and I'm really pleased that you chose just to talk about one. So maybe next month we can talk about another one. But, you know, that would be great. I think feeling invisible, when I start to feel overweight and not myself because of diet, then you do start to feel that you're invisible. You're not, but you can feel it. And choose to, but choose to, to be not seen. And these are the consequences, Karen, of the manifestation of those old beliefs that have allowed somebody to let go of themselves, right? Actually, I've got a funny story about that. Yeah, go for it. We've got time. When I was 16 and my first boyfriend, I was madly in love with him, madly, madly, you know, and Anyway, and someone asked him, you know, said, oh, you know, you're really lucky to be going out with Leah. And apparently he said to them, oh, yeah, she's pretty good now, but she's the type that once she gets older, she'll let herself go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have you seen him? I don't know where that came from, Karen, but that has stayed with me forever as a... I'll show you. (laughs) (laughs) What a motivation. I know, but again, this is where we don't know what triggers, how do we use triggers to our advantage, right? Because that one comment could have sent me into resentment. I didn't resent it. I just stored it away. And it's been a positive motivator for me throughout my life because I don't want to get to that point where I've let go so much that the only thing I want to do is be invisible. How can you bring your gifts to the world and create intentional positive change if you are hiding because you don't feel comfortable in front of the camera, because you don't want people to see you, because you don't want to be judged, because you are getting smaller and smaller and smaller because you're not loving the skin you're in, Yeah, right? This is energy we're talking about, about what we're giving out. So. The vanity aspect, when we give it a positive spin like that, it does go hand in hand with confidence, doesn't it? It goes hand in hand with being ready to be visible, even if you're uncomfortable. Yeah. I know very few people who are comfortable 
telling their story or coming on video without lots and lots of preparation. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, there's that aspect to it, but it's how comfortable are we in who we are in this moment? And everybody, I believe it's everyone's human right to love the skin they're in and be absolutely um, full of hopium that things can make get better and we what we do can make things better. This is just such a valuable conversation and we are going to spend some more time together talking in the future about other myths about ageing because I think these are really important. I want to add that I used to work with a fellow at the same company where I work now and he used to say, he used to pride himself on looking good naked. I never saw him naked, I don't, <laughs> but that was his thing. He used to work out all the time. And he's similar age to me. He'd be in his 60s now. And he said, I just like to look good naked. Not for anyone mm. else, but for myself. And, uh, you know, sometimes you look in the mirror and it's pretty scary what's looking back at you. That's the vanity side of it. And it well, is motivated. I talk a lot about that, Karen, about that being the litmus test, right? When you look in the mirror, what are you feeling? Are you looking at that thinking who's that how did I get here or just not want to look and you know and I I can remember my mother saying you know when she was in her 50s she was saying I, I look in the mirror and sometimes I don't relate to what I see because on the outside I see an older woman but on the inside I'm still the same me I was as a young woman and it was very interesting you know and as as a younger person you know 50s Sounds so old, doesn't it? But it, but it, and one of my, yeah, litmus tests is, and one of my brand promises is that you will work with me and you will look in the mirror and you will feel love and compassion and excitement about what you see. Because it is how we feel about ourselves that translates into everything we do outside. And the choices we make about where we give our time, what we say yes to, what we say no to, and how we feel when we take that last breath, which is inevitable for each of us. Yes, I agree. Well, I know. It, it, is, it is inevitable. <laughs> I don't agree. I know. So, Leah, thank you so much. Leah Zalams is my guest today, and we are talking about myths when it comes to ageing, but we talked today in particular about one, and that is weight. And do we have to carry this excess weight around? Is it a rite of passage that as we age, we allow ourselves to put on that kilo a year, or can we have control over that and really look our best? So thank you, Leah, so much for joining me today on the Ageing Fearlessly program. It's really lovely to to actually spend this time talking and hear your very knowledgeable words on this subject. Thank you so much, Karen. Thoroughly inspired. Thank you. Look forward to the next one. And cheerio till the next one. This is Karen Sander from Aging Fearlessly. Until next time. So this is it for today's program. 
It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, ageing is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside. There's a sparkle in It's not all nine to five, it's a wonderful life. Let's go and climb mountains high, swim across oceans wide. Live out our dreams, just you and me. Let your heart be alive. There's no time to Let your heart be alive.